used to be a time where you could call somebody up and say, hey, you know, my friend George recommended I, I give you a call. But now we know that doesn't work very well. So lately we've been focusing on really good quality introductions, really getting connected. Hey, Advisorist Nation, you're listening to the Advisorist Podcast, the most loved podcast for insurance and financial advisors worldwide that want to grow faster, increase commissions, and build a lifestyle you love. London to New York, Montreal to Munich, Austin to Australia. Shut down distractions, get focused, grab your notepad. It's time for Advisorist. Let's do this. Hi, it's Jeremiah Demery. Welcome to today's Advisors Podcast. And I have somebody very special with me today, and that is Bill Cates. Before I bring him on, I just want to let you know something about Bill, that he is somebody that I have personally admired and watched in this industry for years. And I can remember the very first time I met Bill in person, I found him to be one of the most charming and down-to-earth and disarming experts in our field today. And that was after he had just delivered this amazing keynote at a conference where we were both speaking. And if you haven't heard of Bill Cates before, uh, you definitely have not been boning up on your referral skills because Bill is undisputably, hands down, in my opinion, the master of how to get more insurance and financial services clients through referrals and introductions. He's worked with Capital One, Allstate, Ameriprise, Mass Mutual, and dozens of other companies. He's written three books on the subject, which I definitely recommend you go out and buy. Don't keep me a secret. Get more referrals now and beyond referrals, as well as he's been on ABC Business Report and Wall Street Journal Live. I mean, if you Google referrals and Bill, Bill Cates will come up. This is the man that is the undisputed authority. Bill, my friend, it is such a great honor to have you on the Visors podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Jeremiah. I hope I can live up to that, uh, <laughs> all those remarks. Thank you. <laughs> you certainly will. Bill, you know, one of our core values here at Advisorist is gratitude. So we love to ask mm -hmm. our guests when we get started, what are you most grateful for today? Wow, that's a great question. I'll tell you, just uh, at, at, in a small way, I'm, I'm very grateful for my health because I just recovered from about a 44-day bout with sinusitis, and uh, boy, it was it was a mess. And my assistant says, you know, I know you're back to health, good health, because you're running around everywhere. Uh, it was a drag, so I'm definitely grateful for that. And I'm always grateful for this great country you live in and the opportunity to you know, to do what we do and and the big scope of things. You know, I think of people who live in smaller countries and the market's not as big, the opportunities aren't always as big. Thankful for my daughter, you know, who's who really opened up my heart uh, when she came into my life. So lots of things. Outstanding. And we're so glad that you are back on the men and we don't have to do this interview with you having sinusitis. So very good. Yeah. You know, speaking of health, uh, one of the other core values we hold dear here is strong mind and strong body. I'm wondering if you could share what's a mind or a body hack that you've been using these days to be your best self. Well, I guess it's kind of a mind hack. It's, it's not to dwell on things that just aren't worth dwelling on. You know, it's we, we can't necessarily control the thoughts that come into our brain because we all have these bizarre thoughts like, where did that come from, right? 
but we can decide what to do with them and do we dwell on them or not. And so, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I just started developing the habit of being mindful of when I start getting into some sort of a negative space in terms of thought, if I'm getting resentful about something, someone, whatever, and I just catch myself as quickly as possible and say, no, you know, change the state, you know, so I might sing a song or just think about something I really like and it just gets me off of that space. You know, related to that, I do a lot of travel when I do and sometimes I'm traveling home late at night and it starts to get negative and my thought patterns and, you know, I remember a quote from Vince Lombardi, he says, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And so when we're tired, that our brain just allows that negative stuff sometimes to come in. And if we're human, you know, we experience it and then we decide what do we do with it, right? And so when I start to think something negative on a flight coming home, I think, ah, you're just tired, you know, move off of it, take something else. And so that's really done really good things for me over the years. And I just don't dwell on the negative stuff. I mean, I, you know, I face reality like we all need to face reality and deal with stuff, but you know, not that stuff that just sucks our time and energy. Well said. You know, one question I use when I find myself allowing that voice to speak a little louder than it should is who can I serve right now? And I found that going to a place of abundance where I actually have something to give changes my mood entirely. So I really appreciate you talking about that. And I think it just helps all of us to realize that this happens to all of us. And by having a few little techniques, we can really make that shift. Brilliant. Absolutely love it, Bill. So Bill, let's dive into the fun stuff. You know, you are called upon by major organizations to come in and help advisors whether they're financial advisors, insurance agents, to grow their business exponentially using referrals. And, you know, Bill, referrals have been around for decades, right? It's pretty much been the go-to strategy to grow insurance and financial practices. I'm curious from your perspective, you know, we're, we're in the middle of such exciting times right now yet you're still beating that referral drum. What is something that's working right now in your domain to help advisors get appointments and retain clients? And if you can just go a little bit into detail in that tactically what's working for them, that would be awesome. Sure. And, you know, you said it's, it's been around for decades. It's been around forever. You know, you think about before there was telephone, internet, before there was telegraph, Someone would go from one town to the next trying to do business here. He, I would say he or she, but back then it was probably a he, would bring a, a letter of introduction, right? The, the way of the world is meeting people through other people. We, we leverage that borrowed trust that comes from referral, from a letter of introduction, from whatever it may be. So that's, that's why it, it's age old. Another reason why it's age old is because how would someone prefer to learn about you? Right? How would someone prefer to learn about a financial professional? Well, through a recommendation from someone they already trust. The fastest path to being relevant in somebody else's life is through a good introduction. So to bring it to today's world, I used to get asked to, uh, to teach people how to ask referrals and without begging, without pushing. And I still get asked to do that a lot. But it used to be a time where you could call somebody up and say, hey, you know, my friend George recommended I, I give you a call. But 
now we know that doesn't work very well. So lately, we've been focusing on really good quality introductions, really getting connected, whether it's an email handshake. Sometimes I call that an electronic handshake or whether we meet in person, whether it's over a meal or we do some client event marketing and things like that, but really focusing on the introduction. So I want to encourage everybody listening. If you're talking with a client, a prospect, a center of influence, anybody about this, use the word introduction because that's what you want, right? And the word referral kind of has a weird connotation for some people, but we want to get introduced, right? So when we're talking about this, focus on getting introduced, getting connected. Otherwise, a lot of the stuff, the willingness of a client, uh, you know, to refer us, to talk about us to others, it falls through the cracks sometimes. And sometimes we have to teach clients how to, who want to be advocates for us, how to actually introduce us to others so it has some, some meaning and some, some results get created. That's an interesting distinction between the two words, referral and introduction. And you mentioned email introductions. You know, our students here and our members are huge fans of email. What's an email introduction strategy or script that you recommend that you've seen work really well? Yeah, sure. Um, So everybody's probably experienced this and there's, there's kind of two levels of an email introduction. And one might be Jeremiah, I've been working with this guy, Bill Cates, you know, or let's put it this way, Laura Smith, she's done a great job for me. Uh, da, da, da. I've seed seed her on this. I'm sure she'll reach out to you. You know, I recommend you take her call. It'll be worth a few minutes of your time. Now, that's not bad. That's a pretty nice introduction. But I like to step it up just a little bit long, a little bit more and call it like a handshake. It's Jeremiah, meet Laura. This is what Laura's done for me. Laura, meet Jeremiah. This is how I know him, right? Two great people should know each other. I hope you guys can connect and and see what's possible. So actually creating a real handshake in an email. Now, it can't go on too long. Still has to be pretty short, but creating a real introduction, a real handshake, as opposed to just, you know, I've CC'd her and and she'll follow up. So that's that's a tweak, but I found that it really makes a big difference uh, it's made a difference for me and my own business and, and everybody I've been teaching as well. I like that. What do you recommend to advisors who might be a little bit inside their heads about asking for referrals? Because I think that 80% of the referral asking game happens in your head, right? It's getting over yourself oh, yeah. that you don't want to be seen as <laughs> icky or weird or the guy begging for referrals. And I know you talk a lot about the psychology of that. What would you suggest to an advisor that maybe having that type of conversation in their head right now? Yeah. So the, so the fears, the, the resistance that I see comes in the form, uh, you know, they don't want to look needy, unsuccessful. They don't want to look pushy, but the biggest one, interestingly enough, when I'm delivering live workshops and speeches, and I'll say, you know, why do people not ask referrals? And, you know, it's not a rhetorical question. I want people in the audience to answer. And I must always hear the word fear first. And then I say, well, fear of what? And then the primary one is fear of rejection. Now, occasionally I hear fear of needy, fear of pushing and all that. And I know that's part of it. But here we are, you know, people, first of all, if you're afraid of rejection, you're in the wrong business. But what I found is, you know, once you have a relationship with someone, they're either a client or a prospect with whom you've had a, a meeting or two. All of a sudden, the, the, the fear that maybe they don't want to do this. Sometimes it's just not knowing 
what to do, how to handle it. So it, it really boils down to a lack of confidence. None of this is rocket science. It's really just about confidence. And having the right methodology in place can create confidence and practicing and getting good at it. But here's, a, here's one little shift of the mind, maybe the heart too, that can make a difference. We want to make this about the value that we're bringing to other people, right? The old methodology was, I'm trying to build my business, I can use your help, or let me tell you how I get paid. One of those ways is referrals. Well, that is about you. Let's make it about the value. Let's make it about them helping other people. They've experienced your value. You've helped them make an educated decision that's in their best interest. Let's pay it forward. Let's bring this value to other people. Now, we do have clients that, that like us and want to help us too. So I found you want to make all of this about 70% or so about bringing your value forward to other people. Let's see who else we can help. Let's see who else should know about this important message. And then maybe 30% about people wanting to help us. Because, if you know, in financial services, you become a confidant for your prospects and clients. They tell you things they don't tell other people. And in that, they like you, they trust you, they want to help you as well. So I like to capture both. I like to capture the desire to help other folks and pay it forward and also desire to help us a little bit. So when we realize that we really believe in the value and we really want to bring it to other people and we come, become almost missionary about what we do, you know, why we do it, why we believe in the value, then it gets much easier to be proactive than if we always just see it about all about us and about us needing and you know we're, we feel like we're asking them to do us a favor no it would help us help you know help me help others we're asking for help yeah but it's to help others can you give us an example of how you would say that if you're positioning yourself in such a way where you've provided value to the prospect and it's 70 percent about them can you kind of guide us through that Absolutely. So one of the things I've been teaching forever is what I'll call a client-focused why. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the different levels of why and why we, why we get up in the morning, you know, why we exist, all of this. But I'm talking about the why, why we believe in the value that we bring. So we really want to get in touch with that. And that's something we want to teach prospects, not even wait to their client, just a prospect, very first appointment. Say, you know, Jeremiah, that's a little bit about what I do and how I do it. I'd like to shift gears for a second and tell you a little bit about why I do this, what drives me every day. And then we talk a little bit about the value. It could be something that happened to you before you got into the business. It could be something you helped a particular client with when you really got in touch with your value. So you share that early. And then later, it could be the end of the appointment, could be the next appointment, could be a year later. You're, you have what we call a value discussion. We check in, you know, How's it going? How's our communication? Is it working the way you want it? Are we meeting your expectations? Yes, you're doing that little check-in. And then I like to treat this request with importance. And one way to treat it with importance is to bring back the why. So it goes a little something like this. You know, Jeremiah, I'm glad to see the value in what we're doing. It's, it's great having you as a client. And, you know, I shared this with you the last time we were together. Um, you know, I'm on a mission to bring this important information to people I want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to make an educated decision that's in their best interest. So I was hoping we could put our heads together, brainstorm a little, see if we could identify a few folks that you 
think at least you'd be aware of what I do. I, I have a couple ideas I'd like to run by. A couple folks you mentioned actually last time we were together. Would you be open to that? So there's a lot in what I just said there. We can unpack it, but it's it's the value discussion, checking in to make sure we have people seeing the value in the meeting, the process. It's the treating with importance and bringing that value, right? Let's bring this value to other people. You know, I'm on a mission. So that's my part a little bit, right? I'm on a mission to bring this important work to other people. You know, I love to meet people and do what we do and help them make educated decisions. But then also I'll throw in real quick is the coming prepared and letting our clients know we've come prepared. Uh, It creates interest. It creates confidence on our part. And we're going to have a much more successful conversation. I love how you structured that ask because it really does focus on value. One of the things that you and I discussed when we were in person was LinkedIn. How has LinkedIn made the process of getting introductions or referrals even more powerful? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of different ways LinkedIn plays a part. Uh, The most obvious is the fact that you can now identify people who your client know and you, those could be some of those people you bring to this conversation. Now, there's a little challenge there in the sense that we don't always know uh, our client's relationship to the people with whom they're connected. So I found that LinkedIn tends to work the best in this area uh, when we're in a vertical market, when we're in a target market. So, for instance, one agent in um, Nashville, her market is Vanderbilt University. And so the professors know each other, the administrators know each other. So the fact that someone's written a recommendation on the page, they're also in the target market, there's a pretty good chance that that's a good relationship. So that's how you can kind of narrow down your ability to focus with that a little bit. And creating a reputation within a niche in general, LinkedIn will help you do that as well. We know it's much easier to get referrals, much easier to create a a reputation for yourself when you're not, you know, a shotgun approach to marketing, when you're narrowing your focus. And you can have one or more than one target, but it could be employees in a large company, it could be or a university, it could be uh, business owners in a specific industry. But that LinkedIn will help you put those two together and will allow you to establish that reputation amongst those people because using content marketing on LinkedIn now gives you that exposure in that niche that you want. And so if you get recommended, you get referred, people have already heard of you, they've seen you, they know of you. So that's why you can, you can actually make introductions in LinkedIn. I'm not a super fan of the mechanism of making uh, introductions in LinkedIn, although I know a lot of people do it and like it, it's fine. I personally tend to establish some conversation on LinkedIn and then usually we'll take it off of LinkedIn in terms of requesting referrals. I'm not a big fan of asking for referrals with LinkedIn unless you really know that person well. If you know them well, they're a client, they're a friend, they're a colleague, asking for an introduction digitally like that can work. Generally speaking, I think it's something you want to do more over the phone or in person. So LinkedIn is definitely enhanced. It hasn't really changed the dynamics. We still need to be referable. We still need people to see and understand and get our value before they're introduced us to others. And a big mistake I see people making digitally and analog is sometimes asking a little too soon because they haven't really earned the right yet. And that's where that value discussion I teach comes in, where we can 
we can get a feel for how people are seeing our value and holding our value before we take the next step. I like that. It is something we definitely have to do is earn the right to get a referral. Can you share a quick story of perhaps one of your students that used referrals in a way that perhaps they were blown away with the results or maybe even the results even surprised you at how well it went or introductions as well? So Jeremiah, I was coaching one of my clients. I'll give you two actually. One, uh, this guy was having a, a meeting with his clients. They were coming in and it was the why are my investments down kind of meeting. Why is my portfolio losing money at this moment? So he was a, had a little trepidation about this meeting and went into the meeting and he, you know, he explained everything and very logical about how their position still doing better than most people, et cetera, et cetera. And then he had this value discussion that I teach. And all of a sudden, like the energy in the room changed and they were just saying all these great things about him. And now they always felt better after they talked to him. And even though they were a little upset, they, you know, they always feel better after they talk to him. And the, the woman, there was a couple, the woman introduced him to her sister who, for whatever reason, was unhappy with whoever she was working with. Within about a week's time, he brought in a little more than $500,000 of investable assets from that introduction just from doing the value discussion. So here he was afraid to even talk to his clients, and it turned into an introduction <laughs> to a $500,000 plus client. Wow. So that was one. Another one, this guy, Rod, I've been coaching up in uh, uh, British Columbia, Canada for a long time. When we first got started, again, this is around the value discussion. For the first couple of weeks, I said, Rod, just, got, just check in with your clients. Just make sure everything's working the way it's supposed to work. He said he started doing it. It's like the floodgates open. It's like he was on a, sitting on a treasure chest of, of goodwill and opportunity. Didn't even realize it was there. They started saying, oh, yeah, Rod, well, you know we love you. We, you know, we feel like we're... We're part of a club working with you and the way you have these events and bring us together. And I said to Rod, I said, well, did you tell him that the club needs new members? <laughs> and uh, they were saying, you know, how do we introduce you to others? So just that checking in with people, it's an amazing thing. I've seen so many people acquire new clients and assets and big case size just from checking in more often. Wow. I love the distinction of sitting on a treasure chest. And I bet if you know, our dear listener who's listening to this right now would just take time to write down the names of their top clients and realize that they're really sitting on a treasure chest. It would just open up so many possibilities for them. Brilliant. You know, switching gears a little bit here, Bill, I know that you're a very well-traveled guy. Uh, and I think you and I are kindred spirits in that. I know you travel the world. What has been one of your favorite places that you visited? Oh gosh, there's so many. I, I not too long ago, I just I got back from from India. In fact, that's where I caught a cold coming back that was gave me that respiratory problem. But uh, I've been to India three times. Uh, my fiance had never been there, so we went uh, this past November. And so I I love India. I mean, it's different. Yes, is it dusty and dirty in some parts? Yes, but you know the people are wonderful and just had a great time. So India is a big place. I've I backpacked through the country. I'll tell you one thing I want to do again is I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro a few years ago and I told my nephew that it, when he's ready to go, we'll do it again. Uh, I may end up being the oldest guy to ever climb the mountain by the time we do it, but I'm up for it. So I, I like to take adventure travel. In fact, my, here's my goal every year, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. 
I want to take three vacations at least. And one's going to be just sightsee a little bit, just see some part of the world I hadn't seen before. My fiance and I got engaged in Egypt and we've been to Peru and all kinds of neat places. I want to lay on the beach for a week or 10 days. You know, I want to do nothing. I want to nap. I want to read nonsense material. And I want to take an adventure. I want to go on some sort of an adventure. So whether it's climbing Kilimanjaro, I've, I've camped in the Arctic Circle. Um, a friend of mine and I, Les Picker and I, were planning a trip to go mushing, dog sledding in Finland. Uh, we're working on that. I also am planning another trip with my friend Jay to do uh, horseback riding in Mongolia. So we've got a few, uh, few adventures planned uh, coming up as well. Love it. Absolutely love it. If your life was a book, what would the title be? Duh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 you know, it pulls in a lot of different things when you say that. But I'll tell you something that I've also, uh, another credo, you know, you asked me at the outset of, a, of a, a hack, a life hack. Another one of my credos is only fight honorable battles. And so that's what came to me when you said that. If you could write a book, what would the, about your life, what would the title be? Only fight honorable battles. Um, don't get mired in stuff that just isn't worth it. And, you know, there are battles that are worth fighting. Protect a relationship, save a relationship. There are battles worth fighting, but most of them aren't. And being right is a booby prize. If we're right, we may win the battle, but we're going to lose the overall wall war. So that's a, that's a, another one. Um, and then the other title, uh, I've always wanted to write a book entitled Eat Dessert First. And that was really just like, you know, go for the good stuff. Go for the fun. I, I'm a very playful guy. And so I'm always having fun and playing. And Sometimes I have to be careful because I don't want to take a serious conversation and be flippant about it and use my sarcasm, which doesn't always serve me. But, uh, you know, just just fun, play, play in everything we do. Um, it just makes everything much more fun, even in referrals, asking for referrals, right? I know one advisor, uh, agent, Art, in, in Baltimore, he says to his clients, hey, we're just brainstorming here. I'm looking for about 100 people. And they go, Art, 100 people? We don't know 100 people. We only had... Yeah, we only had 60 at our wedding. All right, too many, too many, too many. Uh, how about three or four, right? I know I know an advisor out on the West Coast. He says, uh, hey, we're just brainstorming here. First of all, do you know any lottery winners? And his clients laugh, right? So when you can add fun to all of this stuff that we take so seriously, everything gets easier. Everything just mo goes much smoother. Today's marketing hack is about email. Wouldn't you agree that most of the emails insurance agents and financial advisors write today are not only filled with terms that are difficult to understand, but are written way too long? Nobody wants to sit through and read an entire sales pitch. They wanna just grab little pieces of content here and there. They want you to get to the point. So my suggestion to you is wherever appropriate, use short emails. Now, in my number one best-selling book, I featured a nine-word email template that to date has probably generated millions of dollars of commissions. In fact, I get people emailing me all the time of how well it works. So here's what I want you to do. If you've got somebody on your list that came through your office or went through a virtual demonstration or somehow knows what you do, 
but didn't decide to buy from you for whatever reason. And this is important. You must only send this to people who know what you do. Do not buy an email list and send this. This will fail and it will be called spam. We do not want that to happen to you. Here's what you're going to do. Subject line, you're going to put the person's first name. And then inside, all you're going to write is, do you still need help with your policy, your retirement plan, your investments, your insurance? Whatever it is you sell is what you're going to put. John, do you still need help with your insurance? Question mark. And then your name. That's it. I will let you put your signature line in there, but that's about it. Go ahead. Give it a try. Take everybody in your database that hasn't responded to you in the last 90 days. Send that out and see what happens. Bam. That is your nine word email. Awesome. So you've traveled a lot. Curiosity, what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Go-to order at my favorite? Well, I'll tell you, I, I like a good steak. And it's people who know me find that a little funny because I was a vegetarian for 15 years. I mean, 15 years, I never saw myself eating meat again. I wouldn't eat seafood. I mean, I was a vegetarian. And then one for about a year, I was craving shrimp for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> and I walked into my, my mom's house and she offered me a tuna fish salad sandwich on Wonder Bread. And anybody old enough knows Wonder Bread, white bread. Right. And she made killer tuna fish salad. And I surprised the heck out of her. I said, okay. And she, like her eyes lit up and she made this tuna fish salad for me. And, um, and it was great always great. And so then I ate fish for a while, right? I, and then I started eating chicken again. And then I was having dinner at a Roos Chris steakhouse and I had a steak, you know, for the first time in forever. And I go, man, this is what I've been missing for all these years. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone full circle and I, I, I eat a balanced diet, some junk food, some healthy food. <laughs> Great. I remember um, I, I just started becoming a vegetarian. I think it was just a couple of years. And I went back to Montreal to hang out with my family and part of my extended family. I have all these Jamaican aunties and they are amazing mm. at making curried goat. And, mm. uh, you know, a curried goat is probably my favorite dish of all time. I have so many memories, positive, warm memories attached to West Indian food. And so, especially, you know, sitting there and watching them make it for me in the kitchen with roti and plantain and all that stuff. And uh, oh, I, I remember eating the curried goat. I went back to visit and I hadn't eaten any curried goat and in years. And they're like, come in, pick me, I'll make it for you. You know, like, come on, I'm going to make something for you. So, of course, I can't mm -hmm. say no to auntie, right? And so, we sat down and she made it for me. And I could feel the goat going through my gut for three days because my body was like, what <laughs> did you just put inside of me? <laughs> but it was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you talked a little earlier about songs, right? You like to hum a song. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your favorite 90s jam? Well, Jeremiah, you got to understand that I'm a little older than you are. Just so a little bit, though. I'm not just sure. Just a tad. Well, you can pick. Well, you can pick a different decade. It's fine. More than a tad, and and I think even going to eighties is still pushing it a little bit. Let's go to the seventies, man. Sixties, I mean, if you want. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, you know, music of the seventies, and you know, the Who, yes, and uh, Stones, and 
I like Rush, which is maybe came along a little bit later. Neil Peart's a drummer. I'm a drummer. So any band that's got a great drummer, I, I definitely appreciate. One of my favorite groups of all time is Tower of Power, and they're still around. It's a horn band. Ooh, it's, yes. It's, it's funky, jazz, soul. Just love it. And as a drummer, I used to love to play in horn bands with Chicago and Tower of Power and Earth, Wind & Fire and that sort of stuff. So that that's... That's where I'm stuck with my musical tastes. I mean, I do like some of the newer music. I like, I'm as a musician, I can always appreciate good musicianship and a good melody and a and a good uh, you know uh, rhythm section. But uh, my musical taste is mostly stuck back there. <laughs> That's awesome. So, what's your favorite song out of all of those, or a song that if you heard that man, that just kicks it up for you? Well, I'll tell you a song actually um, that, you know, we're talking about when you get stuck in a negative mindset, sometimes playing music really makes a difference. A song that I, that always kicks me out is a song called Let It Roll by Little Feet. And it is just a kicking, moving song that you, you can't listen to that song and be in a bad mood. It's impossible. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of songs that are like that. That's why I always advocate for folks, you know, if you get stuck in a bad mindset or whatever, just music, music will take you out of that because it's a different part of the brain. And so Let It Roll by, Let it roll by Little Feet is, is definitely one of my all-time favorites. That's awesome. Now, we all, we've all got smartphones. What's the app on your phone you can't live without? Now, this could be for pleasure or business. Ooh, well, you know, I'm picking up my phone just looking. What's What's on the... You know what's there? Uh, I love AccuWeather. I know that sounds kind of boring, <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm, I just—it's it, it, got this part. It's got a, it's a thing called a minute cast, and for you can see what's going to go on for the next two hours. So I play golf, and I put on AccuWeather, and I can see what's happening on the golf course for the next two hours. And I know if it's going to rain. I know if we're going to get the round in, etc. Uh, another app—it's it, a Tabata app. It's called T A B A T A Tabata, which is really just Japanese for interval training. And I use that in my cardio training to speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down, which gives you a better cardio workout. There's a lot of different uh, Tabata apps out there. And then I'll tell you one that a lot of folks might not know about is called Tunity, T-U-N-I-T-Y. And this is great because you can take the app, you can point it at a television, like in a bar where you can't hear, you know, there's a game on, you'd like to know what's going mm -hmm. on, you can't hear it. You point at the TV, it'll recognize the actual broadcast, and it'll start streaming the audio part of that broadcast. And even if you leave the bar or the restaurant, the streaming will continue so you can listen to whatever was going on. I do that for news sometimes in the car. If I, there's a story going on, I don't want to miss it. I just put up Tunity, I get the audio going, and it stays with me for as long as I need it to. So that's a cool app. Wow. Those are great, actually. I actually have a few Tabata apps myself because for the days that I do cardio, I do do interval training, both cardio and running. So that's awesome. I'm glad we uh, we have that in common, Bill. So, you know, as mm -hmm. we're wrapping up here, one question we love to ask people is if you lost everything, right? You had no more mailing list. You had nothing more than, you know, your insurance license or in your case, your ability to teach a laptop and $500 with a Wi-Fi connection, what would you focus on for the next 30 days to reboot your entire business? That's actually pretty easy. I just focus on every relationship that I have. 
right? And whether I'm asking for help, whether I'm asking for referrals, whether I'm groveling for business, whatever it may be, it's all, you know, it really comes down to the relationships. And so that's, that's what I do. I just, you know, I, if I didn't have the list in front of me anymore, I just recreate it in my head as best I could. And that's, that's how I would jumpstart the business again is, is, is clearly the relationships. And it's not just clients and not just centers of influence, although both of those would be very important, but it's also colleagues. It's other people in my business who would pick me up, who would give me ideas, who would commiserate, who would, you know, help me figure out other things. Cause you know, we're so close to our own stuff. We don't always see it. You, you know, you can't see the picture if you're in the frame. And so what's been so helpful for me and would continue in that situation is, are the people that can see things about me and about my life and my business that I can't see. Um, that's why I have a couple of masterminds I meet with uh, because of that. Uh, every now and then we need somebody who, who we trust and who cares about us to give us a metaphor, metaphorical slap upside the head and say, you know, you can look at this a different way. And that's an insight and awareness that we might not find ourselves. That's brilliant. Finally, Bill, if people want to learn more about you, where can they do that? Well, I appreciate it. First of all, for everybody listening, I have a report that I put together to help you multiply your best clients. We'd all like to multiply our best clients. So just go to multiplyyourbestclients.com, multiplyyourbestclients.com. Pick up that free report. You'll learn something, hopefully. Uh, maybe have something reinforced. And our general website is referralcoach.com, referralcoach.com. So there's a lot there. We've got a blog, got a lot of things for you to take advantage of uh, without spending a nickel. That's outstanding. And for those members of the private advisors community, we also have a full one hour long training with Bill called Three Strategies to a Perpetual Flow of High Level Clients that got rave reviews. In fact, I'm looking at one right now that uh, Benjamin posted. He said, loved this yet another awesome coach. So that is available to you in the private members area for all you members. Well, let's do a quick recap of what we got today. So we're here with Bill. Bill, you were so generous. You shared what you were grateful for. You shared a helpful mind hack in the event that we let that, in the, to quote Zig Ziglar, stinking thinking set in. You talked mm -hmm. about what's working right now. I think we went over probably two or three different scripted processes that people can go through. We talked about mindset shifts from what do I need to let's make it a conversation of value. We've learned about a few other places too we can put on our bucket list. For those of us who love to travel, we can follow Bill's adventures here. I know personally, I've had a dog mushing on my list for a long time being from Canada. It's like, how have I not already done this? But actually doing it in Finland sounds even cooler. So I'm going to put that on my list, Bill. <laughs> uh, we've learned about your vegetarian adventures as well as your favorite song mm. and your three favorite apps. I mean, man, we have just covered so, so much, Bill. I'm so grateful for you coming here today. For you, dear listeners, if you want a transcript of today's episode, just go to advisorist.com. We're going to have a full transcript. So if Bill went a little quickly or you want to swipe those great emails that he shared and those scripts, you'll be able to do that. We have a transcript. Just click on the podcast link on advisorist.com. And of course, the full execution sheet behind this podcast is exclusively for members. Bill, thanks so much, my friend, for being part of the Advisorist family. We really appreciate you. Keep up the amazing work.
Hey, Advisors Nation, are you ready to take your insurance or financial services practice to the next level? And are you prepared to fill your calendar with high quality appointments and bring so many leads that you get to pick and choose with whom you're going to work with? If yes, then be sure to check out Advisorist, a premium members-only community of insurance and financial advisors who are striving to excellence. Inside this community, you'll learn the strategies and tactics that most successful service providers are using, and you'll be able to implement them and see results faster than you ever thought was possible. Get all of the details here at advisorist.com forward slash membership. That's advisorist.com forward slash membership advisorist.com forward slash membership. We'll see you inside. You could be larger.